Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Filmcast, a podcast about movies. I'm David Chen, and at last, a movie that is about my relationship with Twitter this month. <laughs> Joining me today is Devendra Hardwar. You kind of kind of took my bit. Uh, at last, <laughs> a movie that uh, expresses what I feel uh, every week on this podcast. <laughs> oh, and Jeff Kanata. Decision to leave. This is the boldest movie title since 2016's The Bomb and 2007's I Walked Out of This One. Wow. wow. <laughs> Amazing. Wow. Those are, of course, all vague and oblique references to the fact that today on the podcast, we're going to be reviewing Decision to Leave. Now, I know what at least 20 of you are thinking. <laughs> hey, David Chen, at the end of last episode, did you or did you not say that this week you're going to be reviewing The Banshees of Inisherin? Surprise. And uh, that is, in fact, what we said we would be reviewing this episode. Uh, unfortunately, the Banshees of Sharon, due to a vague logistical oversight, I'll take I'll take responsibility yeah, for this. It's, it's really hard to see. Uh, yeah, it, it was only uh, available in 50 theaters uh, this last weekend. And unfortunately, like not all of us could get to the theater easily to see it. So we mm -hmm. have postponed our Banshees of Inisherin review to a later week. And we have instead decided to review Park Chan-wook's decision to leave. Now, uh, we were always going to review decision to leave. It was just a question of when we did it. And so uh, we're bringing that review to you this week. We found a movie that is possibly in fewer theaters. <laughs> <laughs> no, it went wider. It went wider. No, it yeah, did. It, it, it went wider. Yeah. And I think it's also going to be a movie.com pretty yes. soon. So uh, I think people but will also have also everybody should see this movie. So, yeah, yeah, you should see it in theaters. It's a good movie to watch in theaters. So you can find more episodes of this podcast at thefilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. Uh, and find us on Twitter and YouTube and TikTok at the Filmcast Pod. Uh, this week on the podcast, we got some film news to be discussing with you. We got some what we've been watching before we get to our decision to leave review. But before any of that, you know, the great Norm MacDonald once said, quote, it's always bad when you have to apologize for an apology, end quote. <laughs> you know? Mm, yeah. Something he, uh, he did quite often. Wise yeah. words. Wise words. Um, now, <laughs> I, I, I don't even know how to, this has become like a fractal, basically. Mm -hmm. Je Jeff Kanata's <laughs> errors have become like a, an expanding fractal that I cannot keep track of. But You're welcome. Several weeks ago on the podcast, Jeff Kanata praised a uh, t television program called uh, Welcome to Wrexham, I believe. Is that correct, Jeff? That's correct. Yes, that is and, correct and will always be correct. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, he actually pronounced the name incorrectly on the show, and a lot of people wrote in about that. Now, last <laughs> week, I decided to read a comment from youtube.com slash slash filmcast written by someone named The Britain Boy. Mm, the Britain Boy. I, I believe uh, you, you mischaracterized that. You were gleefully reading, mm -hmm, gleefully mm -hmm. reading this comment. Mm -hmm. In order to make me feel as bad as possible. Uh huh. So the Britain boy mistake. wrote, "Quote: Wales is its own individual country. I'm sorry. Wrexham is a Wales team. Wales is its own individual country from England. However, they all fall under the umbrella of the UK slash Great Britain, which is a combination of England, Ireland, Scotland, and Wales." End quote. <laughs> <laughs> now you know I uh, I trusted this user named the Britain boy. On YouTube.com. You think slash. the Britain boy would know would know a thing or two about the UK? You you would think someone who is titled has a username the Britain boy would not make grievous errors 
in recounting the geopolitical nature of the United Kingdom. But uh, we got this email from Ashin over at slashfilmcast.gmail.com who writes, quote, I would expect someone who goes by the Britain boy to know better, but at the same time, I'm not at all surprised that they don't. The island of Ireland is divided into 32 counties. Six of these counties form Northern Ireland, which is part of the United Kingdom. It is not a part of, the, of Great Britain, as that term specifically refers to the largest island consisting of England, Scotland, and Wales. The remaining 26 uh, counties on the island of Ireland form the independent republic known as Ireland, not the Republic of Ireland, just uh-huh. Ireland. Uh-huh. And you thought yes. Game of Thrones was confusing, everybody. <laughs> it's, it's the whole thing. It's the same map. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is confusing, but you get used to it. Suffice to say, it is incorrect to say that Ireland is part of Great Britain slash the United Kingdom. You may as well say that Canada is in the USA. I'm not angry at you <laughs> because even our nearest neighbors can't seem to tell the difference sometimes. But seeing as your audience is so large, I think this is an important opportunity to correct and educate, end quote. Dave, the only thing that would make me happier mm-hmm. is if Ireland didn't have 32 counties and, mm-hmm. you, just, and you like also didn't fact check this yeah. one. You're just yeah. taking yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Just, for... Let me just tell you, I did fact check this one before I read it. Okay. So it would, just, it would be so great if the new, if the new film cast meme is people correcting with erroneous information. <laughs> <laughs> one correction that no. just goes on forever. No, do not, yeah. do not invite this into this. Anyway, um, I blame Jeff Kanata for all of this. Wait, um, what? How am I? I'm not the Britain boy. <laughs> but if, but if it wasn't for your error, the Britain boy wouldn't mm. have even need to, f- felt the need to write in Jeff Kanata. Mm. And let's not even get into the mousetrap thing. Anyway, uh, so thank you for that correction at slashfilmcast.gmail.com. We always welcome the corrections. And sorry, Ireland, for misstating the nature of your relationship to the United Kingdom. That's that's my bad. Not not an apology I thought I'd have to make reading a comment from the Britain boy, but you know what? Yeah. Uh, the podcast full of surprises. So good thing this wasn't on the Banshees episode, actually. So yes. Oh yeah. Dave, that's, Dave. that's why we that's why we changed the movie this week to because <laughs> Dave didn't want to invite that. <laughs> well, on, on that note, on that note, I've already gotten some preemptive corrections for our Banshees of Inisherin uh, review. Um, oh yeah, specifically how we pronounce it, right? So first Probably. of all, somebody they wrote don't, they yeah. don't like their lucky charms. Is that is that wow, Jeff? Wow! Okay. <laughs> Please address all emails to, yeah, to Jeff. Jeff? I at, was trying to avoid. That. I'm saying that's not accurate. Tweet at Jeff Kanata on Twitter. That's where you want to direct all of your. I was saying that's anger. not what. Okay. that's a okay. bad thing for people to say. Yeah, that's what I was saying. So uh, here, here's a preemptive correction. For first of all, somebody wrote in and said it's pronounced in a Sharon. Uh, just get get that right. Don't don't mess up. Even though, it, yeah. So just get don't that fuck right. Fuck it up. Yeah, yeah. Don't mess it up. And then uh, Barry Keegan's name is not pronounced Barry Keegan. It is pronounced uh, phonetically Key plus Owen, like Owen Wilson. So Keowen, like Keowen. Oh yeah. Okay. So let's try not to mess up Barry Keegan's name next mm-hmm. week. Or uh, perhaps the... that just means I won't mention that person. <laughs> yes, I think that's probably a good way to go for Jeff. <laughs> Barry K. Uh, Yes. <laughs> Big Barry K, the BK. Uh, yeah, anyway. So uh, thank you for preventing another round of corrections in advance of our Banshee's going to share. Not preventing it. anything. Okay. Um, what else do we want to discuss? Now, the next few minutes of the podcast will contain spoilers for the mid credit sequence of Black Adam. Okay. So if you don't want to know what happens in the mid credit sequence of Black Adam, I guess skip forward a little bit. But. Uh, guys, got a bunch of DC news last week, didn't we? 
Yes. Henry Cavill. Right after we re- recorded our episode speculating on what DC's future would be. <laughs> yes. Some Henry, certainty came, came our way. Henry Cavill officially announced that he would be returning as Superman to the DC universe. Huge news uh, that he appeared as Superman in the mid credit sequence for Black Adam. But before we even get to the other nuclear news, like what I, I'm kind of just curious, like what your guys' reaction is to that. Like, sure, were you a fan, D- Divinger Hardware? Are you a fan of Henry Cavill as he's Superman a, back in the DC? Universe? He's a good Superman. I really, I like Henry Cavill as an actor, as an action star. The movies around him just weren't that good, so mm-hmm. I, I would love to see him stick around. Kanata Jeff, you know, I, our conversations around the Cavill Superman have been some of the, have really echoed in my mind over the years. You know, like mm. Superman was is supposed to be this kind of Boy Scout aspirational figure. And say what you will about the tenets of Zack Snyder's DC Universe, that is not what they made <laughs> Superman into, yeah. right? Not, not even Boy Scout, just somebody somebody who, who represented hope. Yes, yeah. sure. To, to a certain yeah. degree. If only yeah. there were a list of three things that he represents. <laughs> what would that be? Yeah, that you could mm. easily summarize. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, but in any case, I, I am very curious, Chef Kanata, like what what do you think about this news of Henry Cavill returning to the universe? It is interesting. I, I kind of echo Devinder's uh, sentiments. It is interesting how none of the stank of these Supermans fall on him. He, he doesn't oh, yeah. get any of that stank. He's stank proof. He's and I don't know why that is exactly. <laughs> yeah. He should have a little stank, right? He was involved no, at every good. step of the every he's step of the stank. He's too good. Mm-hmm. I guess. I. I. But I feel similarly. I feel like it, wow. He. He was. He ended up being a good choice for Superman, and he was put in the wrong Superman movies, um, which. It, there's no proof to that, right? There's no, I have no reason to believe that. It just sort of sense it. Like, he, hey, he'd yeah, probably be a yeah. good Superman he in better, better Superman movies. I mean, but, there, there's so many movies I've seen him in where I just really enjoy him. Like Man from yeah. Uncle, still yes. one of my favorite movies of the last decade. And uh, it, he, he's good. Even Witcher, a series, a show that is terribly written. He just makes so engaging. So I, I like seeing him. I think he's a good presence, you know? I, th- I think that's the definition of charisma, yeah. right? Is that you look mm-hmm. at that guy and you go, the material is bad, but I like him. I like, like him. him. Yeah. He builds computers. He loves yeah. computers. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so I am hopeful that he will he will be able to don the red and blue in a, uh, in a much, much better film. Uh, I think that would be pretty cool. But it's, it's also going to be weird because... Is that possible, right? We have, right. is he carrying forward the established Henry Cavill Superman or are we sort of rebooting Superman with the same actor? That's weird, well, right? Here is what we know, mm-hmm. okay? This was all disclosed during a recording of the Happy, Sad, Confused podcast at the 92nd Y in New York City. Uh, Henry Cavill said, quote the following, quote, the character means so much to me. It's been five years now. I never gave up hope. It's amazing to be here now talking about it again. There is such a bright future ahead for the character. I'm so excited to tell a story with an enormously joyful Superman, end quote. There you go. That certainly doesn't wants... fit the character that I recall no. from the movies. But, but, but also, we, it, but also it, yeah, yeah, uh, Zack Snyder sent in a, a video message for the Q&A session, which included the following words, quote, I can't wait to work with you in the future, and you are, of course, the greatest Superman ever, end quote. I'm so, going to fuck this up. <laughs> so it, it was not like it, it um you could read that quote from cavill as like a repudiation of Zack snyder's version of superman but then Zack snyder kind of called in well, and I, I i'm sure that they knew about that in advance and re- recorded and so, before cavill said those things <laughs> <laughs> so it is unclear the extent to which 
Snyder will be involved in Superman. I, I will say, you know, that I don't believe Snyder's involvement with Superman was a good thing. I mean, he cast Henry Cavill, and that's great. That was a great decision. We all love Henry Cavill, but we, we got that trailer. That first trailer, I yeah. think, w- was genuinely fantastic. Yeah. But I, you know, I don't like the version of Superman that we got. He was very dark mm-hmm. and brooding in, in a way that I, I you know, like, I, you know, I'm just repeating Jeff Kanata talking points. Like, if you want to mm-hmm. do that, just make it another character. Uh, make uh, Invincible on Prime Video. Make, uh, make the Black boys. Adam. Make yeah. the boys on Prime. Also on Prime Video. Yeah, make Black Adam. You know, like make another character. Like Super Superman can stand for the things that we always mm-hmm. know knew him to stand for. Uh, so I'm I'm glad Cavill's back. I am apprehensive about the future of the franchise. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm curious if it is if this new Henry Cavill Superman film will be meant to stand in the pantheon of his right. other movies. Yeah, it, right. it will yeah. it. Will will Diane Lane be you know his, you know Ma Kent will not in the sense that she'll be in the movie but like are all the things that he did with the Justice League canon right. for that movie? I mean, even if it doesn't reference it, are we supposed to think it's the same guy and he's changed, or is it going to reference any of that back? Yeah, right. It, it would How be too it confusing not to just keep that going, right? It would be a Buzz Lightyear situation. It would be a Lightyear yeah. situation. Like, so the movie based on the idea of what you wanted. <laughs> When you saw Henry Cavill cast as Superman, I, I, I well, the, better analogy, the better analogy yeah. is probably Joker, you know, which sure, is sure. like, okay, that takes place in a world where in Gotham City, but like, mm-hmm. it's not, there's no Batman in it, as far as we well, know. But you know like, that, it would if be, he was Joker it, before. Yeah. Exactly. What if, you know, if, yeah, um, yeah, if he was Joker before, yeah, exactly. If Joaquin mm-hmm. Phoenix was Joker in, in a, you know, <laughs> Suicide in Squad a, or something, right? In a, or yeah, in a Nolan movie or something, and all of a sudden he's in this completely different. It's, uh, it's a mess. I, I, I just hope, like, Hey, uh, I think even on the show, I've said like Superman may be an inherently boring character, but then I, I have spent some time rewatching, you know, the, the first two movies, the Donner movies. And so good. those things are something special, you so know, good. movies that could feel like they could never be even really be made today. And I would love us to like figure out a way to treat that character right. You know, do something interesting, not just be beholden to those old movies because that's what Superman Returns did. Like it was way too reverential, like to the point where it felt like a copy, you know, in certain respects and couldn't be its own thing. But there are stories we could tell. Movie. The problem with that movie is Superman has a son. That's the problem. Superman has a son, but also it's like, I don't know. It felt like you couldn't touch it. You couldn't touch anything that happened. It was very reverential to the first. That's what that was. That's my thing. But there, there are ideas. You could still have Superman be hopeful, but also wrestle with his power, you know, wrestle with what he represents and good writers could do that. Uh, It's interesting to me that these two Henry Cavill properties have the absolute inverse problems or (laughs) issues, right? Because Uh Uh you have, uh, estab- the established movies with Cavill and he comes back and we want it to be different than those movies and then we have the established Witchers mm-hmm. without Cavill but we want it to be the same we have a new actor in the role but continue fourth season just pick up where we left off no problems what's, what's the common point the Cavillness yeah the Cavalcade yeah. Is, is, yeah. is are you guys caught up on the witcher by the way no, no. what okay gotcha um well i just curious it was it sent shockwaves through the witcher fandom as henry yeah. cavill announced he would be leaving the main role right. this it, week as it's, well, the, so. it's one of the other hemsworths is doing it mm-hmm. yeah it's, uh, liam it's liam. liam whenever i hear the name liam hemsworth 
I just in my face I envision like uh you know in like a game before you unlock a character, just like a question mark. <laughs> like a fighting game. Like which Jeez. That's which, hilarious. Which one is that? I so freaking I have no idea. I don't know what he looks like. I have seen him in movies, I've seen him in TV shows. I have no idea wow. what Liam Hemsworth looks wow. like. Wow. He's gonna wow. look a lot like The Witcher. Yeah, I, you will. Do you think this entire uh, shake up with Henry Cavill is because of it, 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 impossible to have a beard and not have a beard at the same time. It's more like uh, mm. he's probably going to be paid a shit ton more, right, to be Superman. I guess. Yeah. yeah. I, I think it's it's also just like very remarkable mm-hmm. in general when this happens, where you you play this character, like an actor plays a character that's been played by other characters uh, actors before. And then there's like a massive break and like mm-hmm, the deals mm-hmm. expire and then the character, like the actor comes yeah. back. You know, the, that's the just people very, behind right. the Witcher show were so goddamn lucky. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like we, we talk about our reverence for Henry Cavill now, but I was like, he is, he needs to be on more than just a Netflix show. You know, like he, <laughs> he's Superman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> should be, he should be headlining big blockbusters and stuff. So they, they were lucky. They got three, th- three seasons out of him. Yeah. You know? It uh, honestly, the the only other example I can think of that even comes close would be Daniel Craig playing 007 in like Spectre, and then also right. No right. Time to Die six years later. You know, right? It's just it's just rare to have like a an actor play a character over the course of many years, especially when you don't think that subsequent one's going to happen. But yeah, and um, I, it, it, I think it's even weirder to have the main character of a TV show change in the fourth season, the actor who plays them. Mm-hmm. I, I can't think of another time uh, the side characters that that's happened, right? But mm-hmm. the li- the titular character of a of a show, all of a sudden a new actor is playing the main character of a hit show in the fourth season. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, has yeah, that yeah. ever happened? Well, you know, I am watching The Crown, but that's very different because basically they change over <laughs> the entire cast every two seasons. Yeah, right? yeah I no, think, not, uh, this isn't. I don't, I, yeah. I think this is. You mean the same situation. character, not just a different lead. It's not like yeah. X Files late seasons where it's like entirely new characters were following, right? Right. right. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is literally the same guy picking it up where we left off. New actor. <laughs> Weird, right? Weird. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it's rare. It's kind of yeah. Henry Cavill's smashing precedents left and right. You know, yeah. it's kind of the, where we're coming down on it. Anyway, and I. By um, the way, when he was saying like I never lost hope, you know what that really means is I I I didn't stop working out. You guys. <laughs> Oh yeah. <laughs> you see all the video cards he's carrying around? Those yeah. things are heavy. Yeah. Yeah. All right, folks, we're gonna take a break. We have a little bit more to discuss about the DC Universe. We'll be right back with more on the filmcast. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our US-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Well, the other big thing that we learned is over at the WB slash DC Studios, David Zaslav has been looking for uh, another uh, Kevin Feige. Right? Need they're, they're like, need a, we need our own Feige in here. Feige. If we could just get another Feige, we could solve all the inconsistency problems of the universe that we've been having. Let's just fix this thing, get another Feige. Now, is there anything more desired on the surface of the planet <laughs> than multiple Feige's? Right? Um, no, nothing. Nothing. They, right? they, are... they want a Feige for Star Wars. They want a Feige for DC. <laughs> Everybody mm. needs a Feige. Everyone needs a Feige. If only Feige's grew on trees. Like a Feige tree? A Feige tree. <laughs> a a, a Feige tree. <laughs> 
a fig, fig tree. I was going okay, for like a fig tree. Th- a fig, that yeah, didn't really fig, work. A fig yeah. tree. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, the wasps to pollinate them though. It's, it's a whole thing. Yeah. So the lead job at DC is, in my opinion, very unenviable. Um, you have you have like lots of fans who have bullied the studio into making a movie recently. Uh, you have like a whole collection of movies that have like some good casting, but the consistency is very mixed in terms of how good they are. Uh, and then you have like other people like say, I don't know, Zack Snyder who maybe feel like they're still entitled to have a voice in what happens in the DC universe. So it's just like, you have all these competing voices, not to mention David Zaslav, who's running the whole thing, uh, who let's just say has not demonstrated himself to be the most committed to artistic freedom over the course of the last uh, few months. So not a great job. And so I, it was, I'll take it. Sorry, it was, I'll take it. <laughs> it was very unclear to me that they would find someone who would even be close to Feige. Mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. was has been announced that filmmaker James Gunn and producer Peter Safran, yeah, are co- Peter Peter Safran, everybody, the oh. one, the name, and all of our lips mm-hmm. to take over okay, the okay. DC universe. Davinder, D- yeah. D- you're being really harsh today, and that's okay. I like I'm not it. being. It's, it's just it was it was funny. <laughs> the announcement was James Gunn. And Peter Safran. <laughs> Nobody brought well, a gun to a faggy fight is what I'm saying. <laughs> they are going to be co-CEO of DC Studios. Now, uh, you know, I, I will let Devinder talk about James Gunn because I'm sure he has lots of thoughts. But sure. I will just defend Peter Safran a little bit, okay? Uh, the idea is that James Gunn will handle the artistic side and uh, Peter Safran will handle the business side. And hopefully they like each other and they work out. But um Peter and they, Safran, they've worked together in the last few movies, so the yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Them, yeah. Uh, you know, and Peter Safran is uh, a producer on films such as Aquaman, uh, Suicide Squad, Peacemaker, the movies we like, yeah, Shazam, yeah. exactly. Uh, not to mention, he is one of the people that built The Conjuring into one of the few profitable cinematic universes in existence today. Right, mm-hmm. not that many universes right now. We got the Fast Furious universe, DC and Marvel universe, and the Conjuring universe. For for, for better or worse, though. Yeah, I sure. mean, there's not there's know. a lot of bad movies in that universe. I, I, the I will none. concede to that. <laughs> the Annabelle movies. <laughs> yes. I, mm. Well, Annabelle two, I think, was pretty good. Anyway, yeah. suffice to yeah. say, uh, the guy knows how to build universes. Okay, whether or not they're u- universes widely beloved, let's put, we could just say franchise. They're extremely all it is. I like that though. I want. I want. The, I, I want to have a reputation of a guy who knows how to build universes. That'd mm-hmm, be cool. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, it's on mm-hmm. my business card. I build universes. Build you. I mean, he did uh, the first uh, scary movie. I see he was attached to. So that that was a big universe. It was a big franchise that lasted a while. Yes, he's a, he's yeah. a conjuring Feige. Exactly. So anyway, these two people seem like really. Uh, they, like mm-hmm. they have complementary skills. The, the peanut they butter both, and jelly they need. To, yeah, they both really... have good track records. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Devendra, when you first heard James Gunn might be the Kevin Feige or half of the Kevin Feige of the DC Universe, what was your reaction? Uh, el- elation. Yeah. In in, hope? in 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 many ways, hope. Po- positivity? Also, what? <laughs> a, a deep sense of like, Marvel, you done fucked up. You done. You you <laughs> lost this man also because because of the whole thing that happened around him and the old terrible jokes he did and you know getting taken off of uh, Guardians right and being put back on so it, it felt like for a while James Gunn was the guy being uh, kind of helping to build the cosmic side of Marvel and may yeah. like take over and do more stuff and I think after that whole thing D- Warner Brothers was just like hey hey buddy you wanna. <laughs> You want a Suicide Squad? Hey, buddy. Yeah. Hey, buddy. How you doing? Hey, buddy. You, you, yeah. you want to take charge of all this? And uh, I, I think, I, I don't know how James Gunn feels about like all that stuff, but he's done good stuff. Like I, I really enjoyed the Suicide Squad and I think uh, the uh, the Peacemaker show 
is one of the best things they've made on the it DC It is side. ridiculously good, in yeah. my opinion. So Peacemaker is really great. Yeah. So yeah. uh I, I think this is great. He's he's clearly uh, has a has an awesome creative voice. He has something to say. You know, he's very very talented. I think mm-hmm. it's gonna. I mean, I'm not saying he's gonna be successful because there is a lot to overcome, as I tried to explain. Sure, right? sure, but, sure. But uh, this is the most positive I have felt about the DC universe in a very mm-hmm. long time. Jeff, Kanata, if you were right? to pick one person who who is like creatively in a place to help guide that universe, it's probably him. It's, it's, there's not many people who can do it. I never thought he, he would do it because it just doesn't right, seem like right. that desirable of a job. Right, right. <laughs> but he took the job. D- mm-hmm. uh, Jeff Kanata, your reaction to this? Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I, I think if you had asked me to come up with three names that I yeah. would want, the other two that aren't mine would have been... <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I, I really... I think that James Gunn would have would have been the, like, wow, that, pie in the sky, but... Yeah, pie in the yeah, sky, blue sky, unlimited yeah. resources. Yeah. You know, yeah. What, uh, what could we do? Yeah, exactly. It is funny, though, that that Feige's comment on James Gunn getting the job was like, oh, I think he's going to be pretty busy doing our stuff for a few months, actually. <laughs> well, because he's making uh, Guardians 3, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Um, but it's interesting that, you know, popping back and forth between these two massive uh, comic book entities. It's, it's interesting. Um, I... I don't know what job one is, you know, like if, right. if if I had that job, I would probably want to just like wipe the slate clean and start fresh. But mm-hmm. I don't think that that's an option, especially with like mm-hmm. Cavill coming back. Yeah. It's really hard. It's, Z- it's Zack a, Snyder possibly in the mix somehow, you know? Yeah. yeah it's such it's a messy, of... it's all messy and, and black Adam like doing good box office, which is sort of, you know, establishing some sort of new precedent for what DC superhero movies contain. Do you, do you I, want to creatively give notes to Dwayne, the rock Johnson? I mean, you know? yes, but just cause I want to be in the same room with him. <laughs> I'm um, just saying, I'm just uh, saying you like, do not give notes. To yeah. Dwayne the rock Johnson. <laughs> yeah. One does not simply give notes to Dwayne, the rock. Johnson. So mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, like you have all these huge personalities who mm-hmm. have not, strong opinions on how the DC universe is going to go. It's going to be tough. Gonna do you be know tough. how that would go? How would that go, Jeff Kanata? So I'm I'm the, I'm the Rock. I'm doing the Rock Johnson, and uh-huh. you're, and you're giving me notes. And I I would say to you, um, what was your note? Um, it doesn't matter what your note is. <laughs> <laughs> That's a WWE yeah. thing. Got That's it. basically what he did in Fighting with My Family, which is a great movie. More people should see. Yeah, it's, uh, it's really good. He did it in the WWE constantly. Yeah, yeah. Well. I think uh, there's there's a lot of obstacles to overcome, but we're we're largely positive on this news, and uh, hopefully this means a steady hand for the DC universe ahead. Um, but I don't know, a lot lot of a uh, lot of big personalities to deal with, so I we'll mean, see how it goes. Hope, hope, and maybe uh, you were saying what is the first thing you do? The first thing you do is fix Superman because mm, that universe agree. isn't correct until you I fix agree. Superman. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you've got this like new Batman thing happening that's not related to any, like if, if the, uh-huh, if the uh-huh. mandate is James Gunn, come in here and create a cohesive universe for us. That's a big lot different than, Hey, James mm-hmm. Gunn, come in here and make great movies for us. Right. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Totally. Totally. All right. Well, that is a bunch of film news from this week, folks. Let's get to what we've been watching this week. Uh, I want to mention a few things. First of all, I had a chance to watch this movie called The Stranger. Have you heard of this movie? It's a 2022 film that was recently released on Netflix by Tom yeah, Wright. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeff, you ever heard of this movie? I don't think so. Yeah, it's a, it's a cool movie. It's... I I really liked it. It's it's based off of a true story, and I will be very vague about what it's about. It's basically a procedural uh, cop. 
drama slash psychological thriller. It stars Joel Edgerton and Sean Harris yeah. as two I of the main leads. I love the poster for this movie is just two guys with beards looking really <laughs> dirty and grizzled. It's like, yeah. I, oh, I, I know what I'm getting in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Dirty time. So I'm going to disclose the premise of this movie. Um, but I will just say overall, I, I liked the movie. It felt like um, if Justin Kurtzel made a police movie. You know, Justin Kurtzel, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. the director of films such as Macbeth and Snowtown yeah. Murders and Assassin's Creed. Um, and some people might call this style of filmmaking pretentious. I, <laughs> you know, I, pretentious is a very vague word. We try to, we yeah. try to avoid using pretentious on the film cast because it's a pretty mm-hmm. vague word, right? But like, we, try, we avoid using it, but we will always be it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. 100%. Yeah. 100%. It, hit, it hits too hard, so we don't use it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what I mean by that is like, a lot of uh, ponderous slow motion photography of like trees and nature, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, yeah. ominous voiceover. You know, like it's not like um, it's not like an episode of Law and Order. You know, there's like voiceover of someone say like, "Okay, breathe deep and breathe <laughs> out all of the badness in your soul." You know, and it's like what what is even going on? You know, like it's that kind of filmmaking where it's very moody. Um, but if you can get over that. And I'm actually kind of into it to some degree. I think you'll really like it. It's basically about people trying to trying to capture someone who they think might have been responsible for a crime by using a police procedure known as Mr. Big. Have you guys heard of the Mr. Big police procedure? Where you reference the sexy dude from Sex and the City? Yeah, who's no. now canceled? I, yeah. I, so Mr. Big, the police procedure, is common enough that there is actually a Wikipedia entry about this. So it's <laughs> separate from the movie. It's like Broken Arrow. Like, I don't know what's scarier, that losing a nuclear weapon or that it's happened so often there's a term for it. Um, but the <laughs> Mr. Big police procedure is common. And uh, basically, it is a covert... I'm reading from the Wikipedia. It is a covert investigation procedure used by undercover police officers to elicit confessions from suspects in cold cases. So police officers create a fictitious gray area or criminal organization and then seduce the suspect into joining it. They build a relationship with the suspect, gain their confidence, and then enlist their help in a succession of criminal acts, like delivering goods or selling guns, for which they are paid. Once the suspect has become enmeshed in the criminal gang, they are persuaded to divulge information about their criminal history, usually as a prerequisite for being accepted as a member of the organization. Uh, are, are you spoiling this movie for us now, Dave? No, I mean, I'm not. Say- I'm describing what the, the premise is. I'm not saying uh-huh, what actually uh-huh. happens in the movie. Uh-huh. Um, but that is kind of the procedure that they use right, right, right. to try to capture the person in question in the movie The Stranger. And I just think it's fascinating because even what I just read is so it's legally... Yeah, yeah. It's, it's The fact that we have de- dedicated resources to doing this is kind of troubling in and of itself because also like people... It, it's it's legally shaky um, to, to do this... And, mm-hmm. and just rely it's like on you're the coer- coercing them. Almost. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're coercing them and trapping them, right? Like you're you're getting them to do stuff that they wouldn't otherwise do. Um, so anyway, it, this is a this is a tactic that has been used in more than 350 cases across Canada, um, of which 95 percent resulted in a conviction. So uh, it, it is not without its merits, but I just think it's fascinating because I it's rare to see that depicted on uh, in a movie, and um, I think. The movie The Stranger on Netflix does a pretty good job of depicting it. Plus, you get to see Sean Harris and Joel Edgerton acting against each other. I think they're both great mm-hmm. actors. So uh, it's cool a lot of grunting and just like gr- gruffness. You know, they're they're both guys who are very good at speaking with with grunts. You are <laughs> not wrong. Yeah, you are not wrong. <laughs> so, 
so yeah, I liked The Stranger quite a bit, uh, and I would recommend it. And it's based off of a true story. I actually bought the book. Mm-hmm. After I saw the movie, because it's based off a true story, and I think it's just really fascinating. So mm-hmm. uh, check it out. It's it's you, a stream. You, you know what else Joel Edgerton is really good in? Uh, what is printing? Uh, the Underground Railroad. <laughs> Please, for the love of God, what are you guys doing? Watch that show. All right. That's a stranger on Netflix, and also Underground Railroad, uh, Railroad on Prime Video. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, last week, Jeff Kanata. <laughs> Went off on a little rant. I did um, about sound like the uh, about the use of hashtag. You would never, Jeff. Mm. No, no, would, no, not me. Uh, the rant was about the use of hashtag slash tag, and basically, somebody recommend rendered a movie on uh, Shutter called After Midnight. I see where this is going, David. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so first of all, I just want to follow up on that. So, so Jeff, you questioned whether or not. Uh, you would even accept hashtag slash tag recommendations from this point forward. Right? <laughs> yes. Because of how badly you were burned by After Midnight. Um, well, I want to first say that the, that the the person in question, the original yes. tweeter in question, uh, handled that very gracefully, <laughs> yes, I will say. Yes, and uh, responded, uh, said that they were smiling and laughing at the discussion and uh, also that they were absolutely not trolling me with the, with the recommendation. Exactly. I genuinely did like the movie. And I heard from a couple of other people who actually genuinely liked the movie. So, you know, as with all things, your mileage may vary. Yeah. And uh, I, I found the movie barely watchable. But yeah. that's, that's fine. You know, uh, Alex, Alex wrote in to SlashFilmCast.gmail.com. He said, quote, I'm sorry Jeff didn't like it. I honestly figured my tweet would die in the unread abyss and never be mentioned again. But I was sincere. And even though I got raked over the coals or dragged, as the kids say, I enjoyed hearing it discussed on air. I had a big smile on my face the whole time. Jeff, I hope this doesn't actually put you off hashtag slash tag. I thought you would like it, but hell, I'm just one guy going through a thing and latching onto media that resonates with where I am in life. End quote. So um, thanks for the recommendation. And, and Jeff, I hope you're, you know, maybe the hashtag slash tag recommendations are still alive for you, right? Well, I've enjoyed seeing this week people uh, doing their best to redeem the hashtag mm-hmm, with, mm-hmm. with uh, stuff they really believe in, which is exciting because really that's what it should be. It should be stuff you really believe in anyway. Yeah. So yeah, if, yeah. if the re- end result of this entire fiasco and 90 minutes of my life being wasted is that people redouble their efforts people to create the, up their game. Yeah, the, the best possible resource for all of us to enjoy. And yes. Well, I just want to say, you know, I have occasionally taken recommendation for hashtag slash tag, but mm-hmm. where I take my recommendations is from people who I consider experts, a.k.a. my co-host on this podcast. I know Jeff does not take that approach. It's yeah. really no. weird to me that no. he doesn't listen to any. I mean, anything I feel like that's maybe hit or miss in terms of the things we recommend and mm-hmm. the things. Mm-hmm. Some, mm-hmm. Some no, I definitely follow. take the advice of experts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, I, uh, I was like, oh, Jeff Kanata recommended this movie called Fall a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, this movie Fall is available on Video on Demand uh, on sale for 10 bucks. I'm like, oh, Jeff, Jeff liked it. I'm going to buy it. Uh, I bought Fall. I watched Fall. It was uh, released in theaters a few months ago. And I will say I wasn't burned quite by Jeff Kanata's recommendation, but I don't think it is nearly as good as Jeff made it out to be. I I didn't say it was a great movie. In fact, they went to great pains to saying it's not Mm -hmm. a great movie. I just said it was Mm -hmm. so ridiculously fun and so much better than it has any right to be. And that... I happen to really love movies like this, and this movie yeah, did a great yeah. job of being a movie like it. I, I am now going to give away the premise for the movie Fall, okay? 
So the idea is that the these two uh, women go uh, mountain climbing at the beginning of the movie uh, w- with one of their husbands. So it's like uh, Be- Becky and Hunter um, are the these two friends, and they go climbing with one of their husbands, and uh, he dies tragically in a terrible climbing accident. Uh, a year later. Uh, the, you know, the the person whose husband died is grief stricken. And so her friend says, hey, let's climb the tallest radio slash TV tower in the United States uh, so that you can get over your fear of climbing because your husband died in that horrible accident. First of all, terrible friend. Terrible <laughs> friend. Okay. Uh-huh. If my significant other or loved one perished in a terrible climbing accident, Mm-hmm. The way to help me get over it would not be to climb another extremely tall, dangerous thing. I mean, in, in terms of like anxiety solution therapy, like it, it, confronting your fears is the thing. Yeah, it's not, a, it's not a ridiculous thing on the face of it. But mm-hmm. I will say again, it's funny that this is basically the reverse plot of The Descent. <laughs> I'm just the same setup, same setup. <laughs> Unless the friend slept with her husband too. Like I, I dare say uh, it, you guys are bad friends. I'm just going to put that out there. If, if that is what you would recommend for me, then uh, you guys are bad friends. Okay? I'm just putting that out there. So then, anyway, uh, they decide to climb this tower, uh, and it, they they walk past a sign that says, no trespassing, danger of death. And the movie ends there for you. You're like, <laughs> all right, well, I'm like, yeah, I've seen all I need to see. <laughs> yep. I've seen all I need to see. Okay. Uh, that's where the movie lost me. But in all seriousness, there were some very positive aspects of the movie. First of all, so it's about them climbing the radio tower, but something goes wrong and they need to figure out a way out of it. Um, here's what I like about the movie. I actually think approximately 50 to 60% of the visual effects shots are excellent. Right. You, um, you, you really feel like they're up on yeah, something. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, the other 30 to 40% are, or 40, 50% are not great. Um, there is a handful of shots that are outright terrible, but for a low budget movie, I was really impressed with what they were able to achieve. And there's more than a handful of times where I, you know, I got my toes got a little tingly because yes. of how like high up you feel like you are. Yeah. So the fact that they're able to achieve that at all is really impressive. Right. Um, but I'll just say, I, I wasn't a fan of the ways that they tried to overcome their challenges. Um, I felt like, you know, there are movies where, People who are trying to overcome like a big challenge, they, uh, how do I put this, Jeff? Make progress as time goes on. <laughs> and I didn't feel like uh, much progress was made. You know, they tried all these different things, but I don't feel like much progress was made. Um, well, and that, that progress in that they're of... eliminating the things that don't work. <laughs> sure, I guess, I guess. Um, and I thought the script was a little bit, you know, half-baked in my opinion. Um, but... Uh, other than that, I, I do think you it, didn't have fun with the ending of this movie. I, I did not have fun. It was, oh. it did I not it was... fit in. It did not fit in with the tone of the rest of the film, in my opinion. So. That's what's so fun about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, not the end end. I, you know, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I think I know what you're talking about. I think yeah. I know what you're talking about. But anyway, suffice to say, I was not nearly as much of a fan. Also, the movie is unforgivably long. I'm going to put that out there as well. Like when you have a movie that's like two people like trying to get out of a predicament, like, or like buried or, you know, something like that, like it is really, there's a reason those movies are usually 90 minutes or less. It's because there's not enough story to maintain uh, a runtime that long. And so I did think the movie was a little bit too long um, for, for the premise, but there were a handful of great moments 
some yeah. good direction and editing. And yeah, the visual effects are, are kind of cool. Like it's a cool concept. So didn't hate it or anything like that. Um, I would sounds give it a like, mild. Sounds like you loved it, but you don't want to admit it. That's I would give it a like mild that. recommend. Anyway, um, <laughs> that is my experience taking Jeff Kanata's advice uh, here on the Filmcast. So uh, that's another movie I've been watching. The Stranger on Netflix, Fall on Video on Demand. That's what I've been watching this week. Let's take a break. We'll be right back uh, with more uh, what we've been watching. Devin, your heart what have you watched this week? Yeah, I've been excited to check out Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities. Uh, this was a project I've been reading about for a while because I, I miss a good anthology show. I miss a good Tales from the Crypt type of thing, you know? And uh, it feels like we really haven't had a good one of those in a while. Um, so I have seen a couple episodes here. I'm picking and choosing because they're all, um, they're, they're not connected at all. You know, these are all individual stories, uh, typically around an hour long. Um, I have seen the one directed by Vincenzo Natale, Graveyard Rats, because uh, I love him in general. And that one is a really fun story about a, uh, a grave digger who likes to steal things and uh, who confronts many, many rats. So many rats. Um, and also I saw The Autopsy, directed by David Pryor, the director of The Empty Man. And I really like that movie. And uh, this one kind of blew my mind. It is a great little, if you're an X-Files fan, it is a great little like hour long story that uh, goes places that I think is really fun and does things I haven't really seen before in, in a story like this. Um, also stars F. Murray Abraham, who's also in the other thing I'm watching. So I, I wanted to clear this between these things and uh, the uh, the game development show. We're really in the middle of the F. Murray Abraham assance. Like he, he's killing it. He's everywhere. I love him. Um, have you guys seen the show yet? I have seen three of the episodes uh, of the Cabinet of Curiosities. I, I, you know, you got to watch at least some of these if you're listening to this podcast, mm-hmm, just because mm-hmm. these are like some of the best directors alive today, some of the best Seriously? horror directors alive today. Uh, and they gave them a significant number of resources to make some of these shorts. So, and when I say short, I mean they're like an hour long, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, I watched the one by. Uh, Jennifer Kent, um, and uh, let's see. I, I let me pull up the list of the ones because I saw several of them. Uh, Panos Cosmatos. Yep. Um, obviously, and, and and the thing is, like, they are what you would expect of like the Panos mm-hmm. Cosmatos one. Looks and feels like a Panos Cosmatos movie. Right. The so, one like, we would not recommend to Jeff, uh, the anti Mandy <laughs> viewer yes, on, yes. on the show. Yes, but yes, I, I, I would agree. Um, <laughs> I wear that badge proudly, by the way. I mean, I'm full anti-Mandy. Anti-Mandy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, there was uh, there was also the other one with uh, the one with. Um, uh, I'm trying to find the name of it, and I can't. Uh, for which some director? Which director? Um, I, I I like this. I like it's like you know the one about directed by this person, and they just feel so distinct and so fun. Like it's so fun. Diving uh, into- Anna Lily Amipour. Yes, uh, the okay. one who did a girl walks alone at night, home alone at night. Yeah. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So I, I want to see that one. Her last movie. It's called uh, the outside. Bro- it's called the outside. Yeah. That's what it's called. Her yeah, last movie broke my heart because it was awful. But yeah, I, I want to see all of these. They just sound so much fun. Yeah. Um, I I think it's it's great. It's just interesting to watch these filmmakers do their thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I have not really emotionally connected with most of the ones that I've watched, mm. unfortunately. Have so, you seen The Autopsy yet? I've not seen The Autopsy. so I'll I think you'll really out. dig that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, so I'll check that out. But um, but I do think it's worth watching just because these are these are some of the best directors yeah. alive and he got to assemble them all uh, to under this kind of Cabinet of Curiosities brand. 
I, I love a lot of the technical craft in these uh, movies, but I just like emotionally, I'm finding it difficult to connect with some of them. Jeff, um, uh, I, I had a thought for you. Like at the beginning of every one of these things, Guillermo del Toro comes out and kind of gives like mm-hmm. a Hitchcockian yeah explanation or, it's, it's, or it's like Rod Sterling uh, yeah Rod Sterling Rod right? Sterling yeah. explanation yeah. of like what, the, what, what they're very, they're very Twilight Zone or Black Mirror right yeah. anthology. Oh, so wait, you have watched this? you have watched this or. Uh, I started the first one and, and my wife was like, we're not watching this. And I was like, okay. (laughs) And I was like, down. Wow. I was curious, like, you know, would you skip over those if you watch them? Because I actually skipped over them because I'm like, it's it's like 30 seconds. uh, This gives away some of the premise of the, Oh my God. That's interesting. No, I, I, isn't that part of it though? Like you think it's, it's, yeah, it's kind of part of it. Yeah. Did you, would you fast forward the crypt keeper? No. Mm. Come on. No, but love him. Yeah, Love, lovable enough. little guy. I mean, okay to watch. Is, this wait, is is Guillermo del Toro doing puns? Because then I'm in. <laughs> he, he's having fun. He's definitely having just, fun with this. Yeah, I, I am just curious. Where does Jeff Kanata draw the line? Always when I'm watching something. So, but <laughs> no, anyway, no, no, if it, like, yeah. Here's the thing. The I feel like if it's if it's part of the thing, yeah, then it's part of the thing. However, so if it's like the Mission Impossible opening credits, that's the, pro- that's the thing I was just going to reference. Is yeah. that doesn't feel like part of the thing to me? Uh, the Game of Thrones, the Game of Thrones opening credits sometimes showed you locations. Mm-hmm. Where you'd be yeah, going I don't mind episode. that so much. I don't no. mind the locations, but mm-hmm. I don't like I don't like clips of the movie you're about to see. Okay, okay. <laughs> here's, here's, another, here's another one. Here's another one. Um, what about the previously on for a show like House of the Dragon, where like the previously on yeah. often tells you what you is going to be covered on? Create this inferences based on the previously yes. ons. Yeah, do you I, watch the previously ons. Uh, oftentimes, I will just because I do want to know. Uh, sometimes I you know, my memory isn't great, so I do want to. But I, I mm-hmm. there are times where I'm like, man, nah, we really haven't seen that. that. That's not from last episode. That's from a long time ago. <laughs> well, anyway, anyway, yeah, okay. to both of you, I would unreservedly recommend. The autopsy. Okay, I think you All guys right. should see watch that it. if you watch if All you right. watch one of these. The great thing about them is that yeah, they're they're basically an hour long. You're in and you're out. Yeah, it's not a fall situation where you're like this movie is just taking this premise way too far. You, you gotta you <laughs> hey, gotta be in. I haven't even watched that yet. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. But Davinder's right. Davinder's describing exactly that, how I that felt. was the complaint, so, yep. and that is the joy of anthology shows. So, yeah, yeah, agreed. Well, spe- so that's uh, Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities. Speaking of anthology shows, Davinder Hardware, <laughs> you and I also had a chance to check out. Uh, the White Lotus season two, mm-hmm. oh, I'm uh, which so premiered this last week. We're going to watch it tonight, my wife and I. So it's, okay. fun. it's going to be so much fun. Also starring F. Murray Abraham. Yes. 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 So uh, White Lotus season two takes place in a whole different location of the White Lotus uh, in Sicily mm-hmm. and a uh, whole new cast of characters. Overall thoughts, Divine Your Hardware, on White Lotus season two premiere? It's, uh, I mean, it's fun. It, it, it is funny how. Um, I, I'm a big fan of Mike White. Go back and listen to our review of the first season where I found that, you know, that season to be um, generally good. Like, I think really insightful, really fun. And he's capturing a similar vibe here of uh, as we're approaching, as we're in the middle of the fall, as we're approaching winter, he's giving us a beautiful sunny side, you know, escape of a show and following these people who are all very privileged to be in this place and uh, how, how they're dealing with it and what their problems are. And I think it's all, it, it's interesting so far. I've only seen the first episode that uh, that premiered, uh, but I'm I'm totally down with it. It's also really nice to have Jennifer Coolidge back because her character is just, uh, she's hilarious in how frustrating she is. You know, like yeah. I, I enjoy the vibes of the show quite a bit. Also, Michael Imperioli is back, is in this show as well. And he's having a bit of a re- renaissance, um, as well, he's in uh, that other show I talked about. Um, 
what's it called? The other, the TV show that just came out. Um, Underground Railroad? This Fool. This Fool. <laughs> he, he should be in the Underground yeah, Railroad. Yeah. He'd be pretty good. Yeah. Uh, he's in This Fool as yeah. uh, as like the head of the prison rehabilitation program. And he's just really funny. I, th- I think he's doing good stuff. It's nice to see him back on TV. You know, I worked with Michael Imperioli. Oh. Did you? Yeah, I did a whole, I did a TV show with him. Called the oh, rake. I, hope he, I hope he was a good guy. Oh, the rake, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or not cool. the rake, just rake. I think it was. Um, David always wants to add does when they don't belong. Oh, actually, you, just, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I I skipped uh, right over. Again. Here we I go again. Right over this um this bit of news that that debuted. Um, so first of all, White Lotus. I will say uh, I watched the first. Uh, I've seen the first three episodes. I, I'm liking the season. This season is dealing a lot more with uh, sex, mm-hmm. which is kind of very obvious from the opening credits of the show. Uh, and I think it's exploring some interesting areas. So hmm. I, I, I'm liking the show quite a bit, and uh, I think it's going to be a good one. So good season. That's the White Lotus season two streaming right now on HBO. And Jeff, I'll wait until uh, you watch it before we talk more about it on the show. Thanks. Um, okay. One thing we didn't talk about. I, I put this in the notes, just didn't cover it. I, was, I just blew right <laughs> past it. Sorry about that. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, is Avatar The Way of Water. We now know what the runtime of Avatar The Way of Water is going to be when it releases. I like how you're emphasizing the. Yeah. Yeah. Rubbing it in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, When it is released on uh, September 16th. September 16th? I'm sorry, December 16th. Grievous error, David. (laughs) Grievous! Uh, It will clock in at three hours and ten minutes. Yes! Uh, uh, Yay. Yes! I'm so happy, so excited. Yeah, it's so, four movies, and he can't fit it into less than three hours. <laughs> I love Jeff was it so excited; so he, did, he didn't get the title right at, at one point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. well, you got to add extra ten minutes to get the the in there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, James Cameron has previously threatened uh, that, <laughs> "Hey, I don't care if you have to go to the bathroom during the movie; like, just deal with it." And I think we have the the clearest affirmation of that. Um, other random talk side- about the way of water. Am I right? <laughs> you're fired the pp reference um other other random james cameron thing by the way is while browsing around on hulu this week i turned on uh true lies and that is awesome to watch on hulu because mm-hmm. there is no uh, blu-ray of true lies yet right and so right. it's one of the only ways you can watch it easily on hd um, is it a good hd, it's a transfer, good HD transfer Okay. It's a good HD transfer, True Lies. So just want to shout out, it like looks good on my TV. So mm-hmm. just want to shout out James Cameron fans. You got a lot to celebrate. True Lies HD transfer on Hulu and also three hour and 10 minutes Avatar The Way of Water come in December. Yeah, baby. So anyway. Okay. Uh, but that is what the Avengers have been watching. Let's move on. Jeff Kanata. What are some things you've been watching this week? Well, this morning, this very morning, um, mere hours ago, uh, I was sitting in a near-empty movie theater, uh, bawling my eyes out, just crying for, I don't know, 100 minutes, 110 minutes, mm-hmm. um, because I saw a film called Women Talking. Uh, this is a movie that's not coming out till December. Um, it is the, I don't, I don't know if it's debut it is, it is a directorial effort from Sarah Pauly. It's definitely not the debut, directorial debut. Her, yeah, her directorial debut movies. is Stories We Tell, which is also excellent. You should definitely yeah. watch it, Jeff. Oh, you're right. Yes, I have not seen. Pardon me. Uh, Sarah Pauly's new film, uh, written by her, directed by her. Uh, it's called Women Talking. This movie absolutely devastated me in the best possible way. I, I think it for me, for me, it is this year's mass. 
in that wow. it is uh, it is basically just people sitting around talking, and it is I think absolutely essential viewing. Uh, it is um, it is brutal. It is. I, I kept thinking of a phrase that you use often, David. Uh, this movie is deeply upsetting. Um, uh, uh, but aka uh, my favorite kind of movie. Yeah. Aka your favorite kind of movie. Um, and this movie is uh, absolutely about the world right now, even though it doesn't take place now and it takes place in a very specific community. It's about a group of women in a uh, religious colony, a, uh, a community of, of isolated, um, you know, very devoted um, religious devotees. You know, it's a sort of like a like a Amish or it's not it's not specific as to what it is, but it's very. Um, it, it takes place in modern times, but the people don't live modern lives is, mm -hmm. is what I mean to say. And um, th there has been uh, an awful wrong that has been committed on the women of this community. And this movie is all about them getting together to, to decide how they're going to handle it. And I would describe this movie as 12 angry men for the Me Too generation. Um, 12 angry women, if you will. Uh, it is, it is, you know, my favorite kind of movie. It's people in a room talking. Um, it is exquisite. The acting is amazing. The cast, the cast, you guys, Rooney Mara and Claire Foy are both in this movie. Do you know what that means? What does it mean, uh, Jeff? Tell us. It means both Lisbeth Salanders <laughs> yes! are true. acting yes, in the same true. movie with each other. The girl with the dragon tattoo can only be defeated by the girl with the dragon tattoo. We need Numi Rapaz to drop in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I guess it would be the girl with the dragon tattoo takes on mm. uh, the girl and the spider's web. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. That's what I'm saying. It's mm -hmm. also, it also means Queen Elizabeth is facing off against Mary Magdalene. Yep. <laughs> okay. Just as it was in history. Yes. Uh, Jesse Buckley is also in this. Oh, love um, her. Love her. She's amazing. I mean, it's a bunch of very, um, you know, young, uh, top-tier actresses alongside the likes of Frances McDormand, uh, who only has a very small role, but powerful as all. I mean, just amazing as always. Um, and... Uh, um, Ben, uh, Ben Wishaw is that, how do you pronounce his name? Yeah. Wishaw. I think yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah. He's, I love him. He's great. He's great in this. It is a movie about women called women talking. So I don't mean to overly praise the one male in the cast, but he is absolutely incredible in this movie. Mm -hmm. Um, and it is, this is a movie that is about a very specific thing that I don't have much connection to. But like great art, it is a metaphor for life we are living now. Uh, this is a bunch of women who are trying to figure out society now, right now, what to do, what to do about men, what to do as them, how, where do they fit into culture and society? How much do they need to accept the way men are or fight back against it or do something? And it is, I'm, I'm telling you, I spent. 80% of this movie crying. It is extremely powerful. It is resonant. It is beautifully written. There are quotes from this movie that I think encapsulate 
the last five years of, of American life, of world life so perfectly. And again, it's, you know, it's not set in that, in our world per se. It's this, it's this very specific microcosm that it's set in, but all of the discussions apply. They all apply. And this is undoubtedly going to be in my top 10 of the year. It is, it is an, an essential movie to our times. It is extraordinary. The acting is exquisite. The, the, the script is amazing. The way it's shot, the entire movie is desaturated. It almost looks like a black and white film, although it is not. Um, it's, just, it's just something extremely powerful and extremely important, in my opinion. Uh, it's called Women Talking. Dang, Jeff. All right. You have my attention. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't know how it got away with a PG-13 rating. I'm mm. seeing it got a PG-13 rating. This is an R movie if I've ever seen one. It is a deeply upsetting adult movie. Uh, but maybe, you know, it, it, the movie itself makes a case for 13-year-old boys learning stuff and our role of teaching them. Mm -hmm. um, and, and the I mean, it, it discusses the role of trying to be an ally to women and how difficult that is and what to do. And women in and of themselves are not of one mind about anything, you know, or not anything, you know what I mean? Not one mind about what to do, how to, how to be, right? There is internal conflict there. There are pushes and pulls. This is a movie that, that acknowledges all of that, reckons with all of that, expresses all of that. It is... It's a triumph of a movie, as far as I'm concerned. I can't wait to see the movie, uh, Women Talking. And Jeff, you got to watch Stories We Tell, man. Got to watch Stories We Tell. Absolutely. I think yeah. you would love mm -hmm. it. You yeah. would love this movie. I've recommended it multiple times on the podcast. I know it's not been on the hashtag slash tag yet, but mm. Stories We Tell, also directed by Sarah Pauly, incredible movie. Put it on your list this week, man. You yeah, I apologize for saying uh, debut. I was... Um, no, no worries. No worries. Should but, have acknowledged that. Um Anyway, great, great movie. Uh, I'm looking forward to women talking. What else have you been watching, Jeff? Well, I checked out this uh, documentary series on Netflix uh, called um, How to Change Your Mind, uh, which is uh, based on the um, Michael Pollan uh, book of the same title, although it also has a very long subtitle. Um, and this is a four-episode series on Netflix, uh, documentary series, each episode about an hour, and each one focuses on a psychedelic drug, LSD, psilocybin, MDMA, uh, and goes into the history of these uh, substances, um, how they were discovered slash invented slash used, the sort of political aspects of them, uh, the effects of them, the possible treatment application of them. Uh, I, I think it, it is a dispassionate view of things that often we, you know, often are sort of a third rail in discussions. Um, and I found it fascinating, fascinating. Michael Pollan um, does um, some sort of, you know, some gentleman, <laughs> gentleman science and that he, he experiments on himself uh, throughout the course of this. And you see his firsthand experience with these drugs. Uh, and I, I found it to be really eye-opening in a lot of ways. You know, I'm, I am, a child of the eighties who grew up, uh, in the heat of the war on drugs and air man. Yeah. Did you yeah. have the air shirt? We all did. And yeah. I, you know, there is a, um, there is an inherent fear 
specifically of of LSD, of acid, right? Of like it's gonna it's gonna destroy your brain. Uh, and um, I've never done any of these any of these drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, a lot of that is this this fear that was instilled. And this docuseries series makes a <laughs> makes a great case for the fact that all of that was manufactured. That yeah. that sense that I grew up with that that political and public relations uh campaign it really only exists because of the vietnam war that basically mm-hmm. there was a bunch of kids who were like who were doing these these drugs and realizing oh my gosh i'm i they're kind of enhancing my feelings of love for the world and yeah. i don't want to go and kill people and it's helping uh, me survive this hellscape huh yeah. yeah. Wow. I feel really connected to every other human being. I feel like this exaggerated feeling of love and, and, and uh, joy and happiness and, and a relationship to my fellow humans. Uh, while Nixon was like, we need more kids to go into the war and they don't want to, how are we going to stop them from doing this? Well, we're going to mm-hmm. change the perception of what these drugs do and say that they're scary and evil and bad. And we're going to outlaw them because LSD, psilocybin, they were started as like miracle drugs, like cures and and treatments for depression and all kinds of really wonderful effects that they had on people. Uh, and it was like, oh, part of those effects are that people don't want to murder each other on foreign soil. So can't have that. Can't have that. Uh, we got to, uh, you know, change the public perception of these things. We got to scare people. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that is the, the case that is made in these, um, in these uh, episodes. And I find it pretty compelling. And uh, pretty interesting, frankly. Yeah. Uh, I've been reading you... his like reporting around this, and it's uh, it is interesting. And Michael Pollan's just like doing the, doing this to himself too, yeah. to like give yeah. you that firsthand experience. I think for a lot of people, uh, psilocybin and and similar things could change their lives. You know, if the if it was easy to access and you know use in different ways, because our medication around depression and anxiety and things like that is is really backwards. It's not great. Yeah. Well, you know, we are about to vote. As a country here in America, mm. I hope everyone listening is is. I mean, to quote, vote. quote unquote, vote at this point. Well, uh, I don't know if you guys have seen the stories around what's happening near me, but it's fun. It's fun to be threatened while when you go try to vote. Yeah, yeah. well, yeah, and in Arizona, evidently, it's okay to just. It, it's okay. It's the same the, thing. Anyway, yeah, I don't want to get into that, but I hope people, regardless of that, still vote and vote in great numbers and vote fearlessly. Um, but here in my home state of Colorado my new home state of Colorado, there is a, uh, a measure on the ballot to uh, authorize the use of psilocybin mm-hmm. as a medicinal drug. Um, and I plan to vote for it, especially in light of seeing this, uh, this, uh, this docuseries. I think it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. And, and there, I recommend it. If people are curious or interested, I'm not, you know, offering medical advice. I'm not <laughs> offering any kind of, uh, uh, endorsement of any particular drug or treatment or, or anything. I'm just saying these, uh, this docuseries is very interesting to me. And mm-hmm. um, I would recommend people checking it out if you're curious and you kind of want to see what I consider to be, I mean, it, it's it's certainly possible that Poland has a ax to grind here and is trying to make a case, but the, the tone really does seem to present... Um, dispassionate evidence it is not Mm -hmm, it doesn't mm -hmm. feel like propaganda to me it feels Mm -hmm. like uh a a a journalist investigating a a thing that has been off limits to journalists for a long time yep 
Uh, this came up during a dinner conversation I had recently, and uh, a friend of mine was also raving about it and how interesting it was. So I'm going to check it out. I'm, I'm very fascinated by the topic. But the the show is How to Change Your Mind, and it's on Netflix, right? So. Yes. Jeff, anything else we watching this week? One more thing I wanted to mention. Uh, we talk about r- recommendations and how willing or not I am to get people's recommendations. There has been a movie that is recommended to me by... My friend, friend of the show, big time Hollywood director, Dan Trachtenberg. For no less than 15 years, 15 years he's been recommending it to me. Uh, I would use the term incessantly, incessantly. Um, he, actually, he actually reached out to me and said, let me know if you want to do a bonus episode on this because th- this would actually get Jeff to watch the movie. <laughs> now, now, I'm actually, now I'm actually bummed that we're burning this on what we've watched. Well, maybe we maybe won't. We, maybe, yeah. maybe we'll just tease this. And if Dan wants to come on, we'll talk about it. Because I, I, like an idiot, he texted me a, yet again about this movie. I'm not even going to say what the movie is. We'll leave it as a massive tease. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, that, okay, good, good. Yeah. I like it. I like he it, yeah. texted me about this movie uh, when I was... Um, when I had, I had just had surgery, maybe people remember a couple of weeks ago, I had surgery and he was like, Hey, perfect time to watch it. You know, I've been recommending it for <laughs> wow, literally a decade like and a half, mm-hmm. you know, getting you while you're recovering. Yeah. Cool. I know. Right. He had praying on the week. Um, and I did, I did. And I, I will never forgive myself because I responded to him with, I just watched it instead of letting it organically happen. (laughs) I wanted him, what I should have done is just brought it up on the podcast and then let him hear it or Mm -hmm, bring it up mm -hmm. on a, on the episode that we'll record and let him hear it. But I, uh, but I didn't really go into it. I just, I just texted him back and was like, I watched it. So we can do a bonus episode. We can save that. And now the movie that Dan Trachtenberg has wanted me to watch (laughs) for 15 years, I would venture to guess yeah, yeah. No one could ever possibly guess it. You know what we should do? I, you know what we should do? You know uh-huh, what we should do, Jeff? Uh-huh. We should say, we will record that episode when someone tweets at us the correct answer. <laughs> what what no, you've given no hints. It will never no happen. No, no, no hints. No hints. No hints um, I, I will say, what, what thing? <laughs> I think I have seen this movie, and I'm really wondering, how? How has it been ongoing? This movie? This is Her? the movie. Yeah, either okay. it, it means something about what he thinks of my movie taste. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we can dig into yeah, it with okay, Dan. So, so, okay, so let's do, let's do this. Okay, tweet at the Filmcast Pod on Twitter. Don't tweet at Jeff or Dan or any of us. Uh-huh. Tweet at the Filmcast Pod with your guess for what this movie is. That <laughs> nobody, Brent... nobody's going to think about this movie. Also, so, yes, thank you. I mean, that it's is... possible. <laughs> it's possible that it's been out there in public discussion. I mean, it's possible we talked about it on the Totally Rad Show. At some yeah, point. yeah, yeah. It's yeah, possible yeah, yeah. that people will be able to ferret this <laughs> yes, out. Exactly, exactly. But sh- sure. please, listener, listener, I'm asking you. I'm being, I'm asking you because you're probably hearing this before Dan knows. Yeah. So don't tweet at Dan and ask <laughs> him because he'll just answer it. Don't so don't do that. Dan. Don't tweet. cheat. At, yeah, don't yeah. cheat. Tweet don't at look the, at the history of Dan's mentions to uh, to Jeff. Yeah, don't do not do that. <laughs> just, <laughs> just tweet at the Filmcast pod and guess what movie is it that Dan Trachtenberg has been trying to get Jeff Kanata to watch for the last 15 years, right? Yeah. Yeah. Top five answers on the board. <laughs> Here, let's let's Family narrow. It. I, I'm going to narrow it down a little, Jeff. No, okay, no, I'm no, no say, don't narrow it down. I want I want to see like wide open. Maybe next week we'll narrow <laughs> it down. Jeff, Jeff, I, I promise you. I promise you, you will not mind me narrowing this down. Okay. All right. I will I say this. Don't give a genre. This movie was released. No. In, <laughs> no. Don't even do that. Don't do it. Yeah, I give people nothing. 
I was going to give one. a really, I was going to give an incredibly wide range. Joke, no, no, no. Okay? Wave one should be just what do you think Dan's been recommending? And wave two will be okay. okay, okay. We'll we'll give it uh-huh. because we're making the rules up as we go along. Yeah. That's yeah, cool. But, but cool. If, oh, this will end with Dan remaking this movie. At the end, so. <laughs> that would be a delight. Yeah. But uh, if if I mean the clue is. He's been recommending it for 15 years. So it has yeah. to be older than 15 years, right? Yeah. Yes, that is correct. Okay. Yes. Let's go with that. So it's, it's, it's not, um, you know, Mad Max Fury Road or it's not Prey or something. It's like not. That. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. Not, All right. Um, so tweet at the film cast pod with your guesses. Do not tweet at Dan. Do not bother Dan, you know? Yeah. Uh, and if someone guesses it, then we'll record an episode with Dan about it, you know? Yeah, that, we should give be... a prize if someone get. I mean, but like I said, it is pos- probably possible yeah. to just yeah. investigate. I'm sure, it I'm sure you guys have hardcore fans. Somebody will yeah. remember this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no prize other than you get a prominent mention on the film cast. What <laughs> we, better prize could there be than that? We'll know? give you a Marvel branded no prize. Okay. All right. Well, that is what we've been watching this week. Let's get to weekly plugs. Weekly Plugs is a part of the show where we plug something else we've been making. Folks, reality TV. Who doesn't love it? A lot of people, including a lot my of co-hosts on this podcast. <laughs> but if you want to hear me and my wife talk about the latest in reality television, a new podcast has joined the Decoding TV network. It's called Decoding Reality. You can find it at decodingreality.tv. My wife and I discussed the first seven episodes of Love is Blind Season 3. <laughs> Over at decodingreality.tv. Did you finalize the location of that that show? Uh, yeah, did, we, did you guys we, discuss? we actually directly addressed the criticism that was uh-huh. received on this uh, last week's episode of the Filmcast. So, uh, so think of it as a two-parter from last mm-hmm, week's episode mm-hmm. of the Filmcast. But decodingreality.tv, another podcast for the Decoding TV network. I also feel like that, that that title's maybe a little uh, misleading, mm. Dave. I feel like. I do need somebody to decode reality for me right now. Yeah, no, nothing yeah. makes any sense. Yes. Yeah, please. Like you're, you're really uh, overpromising there. It's, it's, it's not a big the same swing. way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's true. It's true, Jeff. I'm usually <laughs> usually the underpromiser. Yeah. Um, uh, Divinder Hardware, your weekly plug. I just want to shout out the latest episode of This Week in Tech. Uh, I was on with a bunch of folks that I really, really like. Philip Elmer Dewitt, Doc Searles, and uh, Leo Laporte, of course. We were chatting about uh, Elon Musk taking over Twitter and what a goddamn disaster that's been in just a couple days. Um, so, yeah. Didn't take Decode long. reality for me, Dave. Like how, <laughs> how, how, how have we gotten to this point? Mm. It's a good yeah. question. I will good tell question. you, Devendra, I was listening to that very episode uh, this morning as I was driving oh, to you. and from the um, movie theater. That's fun. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for listening. You're always great on that show. Thank you. Jeff Kanata, your weekly plug? I do a science podcast with... Uh, wait, wait a second, Jeff. Did you listen to uh, Decoding Reality by any chance? Because, you know, uh, that, that seems like right up your alley, too. I just want to put that out there. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> Davinja is great on that show. <laughs> All right, sorry. Go ahead, Jeff. Your weekly plug. Your weekly plug. Uh, I do a comedy science podcast uh, called "We Have Concerns" with Anthony Carboni, who is uh, super fun and very funny. And uh, this week's episode, I really enjoyed doing. It was uh, it was quite a fun one. Uh, it's called "Throwing Stuff into Space," and this is about a company, a real live company. You may have heard about this story because it, it's fascinating. They are uh, they're presenting an alternative to using jet fuel to propel rockets into space to get satellites up into orbit. It's very expensive. It's very costly. It's very wasteful to burn all that jet fuel. So 
they have this alternate idea, which is what if we just huck stuff? We just throw it. What if we just chuck it into space? And the method by which they have figured out to do that is fascinating. They're literally throwing stuff into space. Uh, you gotta, you gotta listen. We go deep into it. It's really cool, and it's the uh, newest episode of We Have Concerns, which you can find at wehaveconcerns.com. It's so fascinating to me that to, to get stuff into space, the biggest thing that a rocket needs to carry generally is the fuel mm-hmm. to get it into space. 90% of, of the mass of a rocket yeah. is the rocket fuel. Yeah, yeah. which it dumps, yeah. uh, dumps the container, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, check it out at wehaveconcerns.com. And of course, we want to make sure uh, that folks are plugged into this podcast as well. You can find more episodes at thefilmcast.com and support this show at patreon.com slash filmpodcast where you can sign up for ad-free episodes and exclusive After Darks. Hear us riffing about things like what's happening in the world of chess, what's happening in uh, the the saga of the Garden Coffee Lady, which was um, a great episode that we published last week. And and uh, I, I shared with you guys some very positive feedback I got from that episode. People loving the saga Aww. of Garden Coffee Lady over on the patreon.com slash film podcast. So... <laughs> All this, hundreds of episodes, no, not mm-hmm. hundreds, maybe like over a hundred episodes, dozens of episodes available for your listening pleasure at patreon.com slash film podcast. A huge thanks to all patrons who make this show possible. And of course, we never want you to donate if it in any way causes you financial hardship. To support us for free, leave a star rating for us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your shows uh, or a review, even if you're feeling particularly charitable. We'd really, really appreciate it. It really does help us to stand out. Okay. That's Weekly Plugs for this week. Folks, let's get to our review of Decision to Leave. This is the Filmcast. We're here to talk about Decision to Leave, the newest film by director Park Chan-wook. I'm going to read the plot summary from IMDb. A detective investigating a man's death in the mountains meets the dead man's mysterious wife in the course of his dogged sleuthing, end quote. All right, Devinder Hardwar, you and I are obviously big fans of Park Chan-wook. Watching Old Boy was a formative experience mm-hmm. in our movie-watching existences. Um, now... Park Chan-wook comes out with his latest film. It's kind of a police detective drama. What did you think of Decision to Leave? I I loved it. Like, it, it is one of those movies when I'm watching it where I feel like, oh, this is just made for me. Everything about it. Because I, I'm a big film noir fan. I'm a big uh, Park Chan-wook fan. Um, I love his sense of style and the way he tells stories and how unconventional he can be but also watching this movie you know the the basic setup sounds like vertigo basically or many other noir films but he's just having so much fun during this movie too like every way the camera moves um every way things are blocked just ideas of like um there's a lot of hitchcock here there's a lot of like rear window too of uh, the detective like keeping an eye on uh, the potential suspect but also envisioning himself in her room just lots of really fun techniques that made this movie just really enjoyable to watch like uh my, my i made the decision not to leave i just want to be in this world <laughs> forever because it's so much fun um and i made the decision to leave the theater 
after I finished watching the movie because it was so good, that is. Because it was so good. But after, after. <laughs> I made after the decision to leave it. my yeah. house to go to the <laughs> go, theater. Go to the theater. That would have been much better, Jeff. I'm mm, sorry. Yeah. Mm. There's a reason why you're um, writing the limericks here. <laughs> anyway. But yes, it's also... It, yeah. Go ahead, I just want to say, like, it, it is a found counterpart to The Handmaiden 2, which is also a bit of a fun, you know, also kind of a fun crime thriller, too. And both movies are um, sexy in their own ways, I'd say, right? Like, Handmaiden runs very hot. Uh, there, there are some scenes in that movie which are just like, whew, you just gotta, like, my monocle popped out of how just, like, hardcore <laughs> that movie went. You know? <laughs> my goodness. That. My yes. word. Uh, there, there, this, there's graphic sex in The Handmaiden, but in this sure. movie, it's uh, not as graphic. It's it's say. not. Well, it's not graphic at all because it's more like in the mood for love or something. Like it is more um, about a sense of longing and a sense of connection that these two characters clearly have together. But their their relationship may not be like very realistic um it, it's just fascinating and maybe that's just me because i am i'm also a sucker for for kind of doomed romances like that i remember reading uh, ethan from in high school and being like this is i don't know what's happening here but this is really compelling and interesting so that's just my type of story i love everything about this movie but especially tang wei who i've seen uh she's been in like many many movies i forgot she was in well, lust caution yeah, most prominently ang lee's lust caution right yeah. So, yeah and she was fantastic in that she was also in black hat and i forget everything about black hat yeah uh, but she is just so beguiling and interesting and also fun in this movie too where um clearly it seems like she's toying with a de detective after a certain point but they also clearly have like a sort of connection too it's not all just like manipulation I find this movie fascinating. I've only seen it once. And this is a movie where I'm like, as soon as I got out, I was like, I, I do not want to leave. I just want to, I kind of want to go back and do this again. So I cannot wait to rewatch it and like peel through the meanings of this movie because it's so much fun. And, uh, you know, by, by the end also, again, Park Chan-wook finds a new way to like, you know, break my heart a little. So yeah, loved it all together. All right, Jeff Kanata, your thoughts on decision to leave. Well, then. I guess my thoughts on Decision to Leave are best summed up in the form of a limerick. In this film, Park Chan-wook has employed techniques that excite celluloid, but it failed to enthrall. It's a film, overall, I admired much more than enjoyed. Mm. Okay. All right. I think this, you know, now that we bring it up, I didn't even really make the connection in my head. I didn't, I didn't recall our review of the handmaiden. I remember I you, you were like cool in that movie until it flipped a little. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think I feel kind of similarly in that like the, every shot is meticulously crafted. It is extraordinary level of craftsmanship. The, the filmmaking is worth seeing this movie for in and of itself. I, it, I mean, there are shots where I'm like, how long did it take to set that up? How many takes did you have to do to make sure you just got just right where the sun is hitting the thing at the right, the, where the, the mirror is just, the, you just caught the thing at the right. The, it's amazing. It, that level of precision of, of meticulous filmmaking is awe-inspiring. It really is. Very few filmmakers will even attempt half the shots that this movie and it's like every shot is that yeah Can I just, there's no lazy shots in this yeah, movie. I, yeah i'm sorry yeah. to sorry to interrupt jeff but i do want to just want to say there was a vfx reel that was released for this movie online would mm. highly recommend you watch it because mm -hmm. i think mm -hmm. it might shock you how many oh, shots fake 
It's all fake. Visual effects. It's not fake. But it's, it's still, it's, it's still. It's, there's it's, a lot of craftsmanship. No, no, it has to be envisioned. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. No, yeah. That's why yeah. I. That's why I. Uh, I stand by what I have said so far. Is that it, the I, the notion of that's the best way to convey this moment has to yeah. start in your head. Exactly. And, if, yeah. and you have to be able to convey that to the effects team. So. But like as an example, like many of the, like the driving shots where like they're mm -hmm. in a car, those are all mm -hmm. like CG background. Like it doesn't, huh. wow. it doesn't feel like it because it feels oh. like it feels very real. So so many subtle CG shots in this movie, really really effective. Okay, I will. Let it's you a great right note. Here. It's a great note because it, it it does feel like everything was meticulously, and, and it is meticulous, but it's also it, it, perhaps not as um, you know in camera as as yeah. it appears. Correct. Um, that said, I just did not care for these people. I did not want to be around these people. I think they're all awful humans. Uh, and, and I just didn't have anything, I didn't have anything to grab, grasp onto. Now, I think Devendra is spot on when he calls it a noir, right? This is a neo-noir for mm -hmm. sure, 100%. And a lot of the hallmarks of noir are, everybody's pretty crummy, right? You got your femme fatale, you got your, you, you know, you got your, 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 um, uh, uh, gumshoe detective, mm -hmm. and oftentimes they're both terrible. You know, Chinatown. I don't love anybody in Chinatown. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but uh, they're. It's not about loving them though. They're interesting. Like they're interesting yes, characters I, I, in yes. those movies. And and, yeah. and often in films, my interest for the characters transcends their likability. That's completely natural and normal. And frequent. it's like every Jack Normal. Nicholson character. I can't right. imagine. When does he ever play a fully likable character? I don't, well, I, I don't yeah. mean to imply that movies mm -hmm. need to have likable people for me to enjoy the movie. I just found the decisions <laughs> to leave or whatever, what have you, made in this movie are just, I'm like, I, I, can't, I can't abide. I can't abide. Because, because your, of the choices they're making? Is that yeah, what you're oftentimes, saying? Oftentimes. Yeah. Okay. And, and it is so, it, it, is, it is just infused. Like the, the spine of this movie is is I won't get to it in, in spoilers, but it it I found it to be more frustrating than interesting as far as uh, an exploration of their push and pull of of desires and decisions. Mm -hmm. um, and to me, that hurt the enjoyment of the movie. I was frustrated by the constant dumb things that they were choosing to do, hmm. um, but. I don't mean that to take away from what I think is a really fascinating work of art, uh, which this movie undoubtedly is and uh, well worth watching, well worth seeking out. Um, it's just not a home run for me personally. Yeah. Uh, I definitely closer to Devendra than Jeff, but I'm probably in between you two. Uh, I liked this movie a lot. I think the Devendra's comparisons are great. The noir comparisons are great. And as Jeff indicates, uh, every frame is incredibly uh, composed. Like it feels like so much care went into this movie. Also, uh, you know, Devendra, you kind of hinted at this, but like Park Chan-wook, in my opinion, is really pushing the boundaries of visual storytelling mm -hmm. um, by just, just doing things that most directors dare not do because they would be confusing. Yeah. Right. But yeah. he's like, F it. I'm just going to do it anyway. Like, yeah, people, you know, here, 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 here's, an example. Like, yeah. here's an example. Like, um, very early in the movie, there's like a shot of an X-ray, like of, of a character, because an X-ray is important, um, to show like a character's X-ray. And then all of a sudden the X-ray like comes alive and starts like moving around. 
it's just there to kind of create a mood, create a tone. And also, but also like it has metaphorical significance as well. It's like why that x-ray is coming alive at that point in time. Well, um, also you'll have, you'll have characters that aren't in a scene yes. standing in the scene, observing it yes, because they're hearing about that scene or they're yeah. somehow connected. And or, that or, could or be the, very a character will a, car, a character will talk about what happened in the same location earlier on. And then like, you'll then like rack focus to like, a person in the background actually like, you know, playing out what actually happened earlier on, like previously on. And um, that's just stuff that like uh, directors generally don't do because there is a danger that it will confuse the audience. Like what, wait, why are we seeing that person there? But Park Chan-wook is fearless in this regard. Like he's just charging into these decisions. And, um, and I think for the most part, it really works. I, I, I love how brave he is when it comes to visual storytelling. So uh, I, I agree. It's definitely worth seeing. Um, but yeah, I, I'm also, I also feel a little bit like Jeff where like, mm, did I really like love these characters? Tom Wei is so good. She's like just so compelling to watch yeah. as a character. But when it comes to like the, the actual decisions that these characters made and, you know, um, and how things evolve between the two of them, uh, I'm a little bit more mixed. And so we can talk about that more in spoilers, but overall I like the movie a lot. I don't know that it would be in my top tier Park Chan book though. Um, it would probably be my mid-tier Park Chan book, honestly. Um, Devendra, like, do you have a sense of where we go? Like, where, where does this fit mm. in with you with like the old boy and the handmaid? Like, for me, old boy and handmaiden are still like above this movie. Uh, in terms I have of to think, yeah. um, because I love, I mean, I love so many of his movies for very different reasons. Old boy still tops for me. Um, I think L- Lady Vengeance is one of those things that's like, oh, you just made the definitive movie about revenge. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so they all like hit different spots for me. Even Stoker, a movie which wasn't entirely successful, was his like English language debut and has such like a big, interesting movie. Yeah, um, I can't I, I can't place it. I would say I think I like this one more than The Handmaiden, just in terms of the mm. energy of it and the vibe of it. I really liked Handmaiden, but, uh, you know, I, I didn't connect with it as much as this. This to me is mid-tier Park Chan-wook, which is still like better than 90 percent of the movies you sure. see. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Um, and uh, and it would be around Stoker for me. Like I like Stoker, you know, enjoyable movie. Um, but it wasn't like, oh my gosh, this mm-hmm. is one of the best movies I've ever seen in my life. This I mean, a, it's certainly yeah. better than The Little Drummer Girl, which mm. nobody saw. But that was the like AMC uh, British series he did, mm. Uh, mm. starring uh, what's her face. Um, somebody, somebody, it was Florence Pugh. It started Florence yeah, yeah, yeah. Pugh. Wow. And wow. it was just it was just kind of dull and boring. But at least it looked interesting because yeah. he was involved. So. You can kind of see like when he's fully like engaged with a story. And I just feel like here from the beginning to like this movie just starts. You're in the middle of everything. You're in the middle of like the guys in in the firing range just shooting the shit. You know, the the kind of crummy younger cop in the lead cop. Mm. And I just it just throws you in. It does so many things that feel jarring and weird and disorienting. I just love being on that ride. So I think it's more like, you know, how do you vibe with certain storytellers? Um, it's like the first shot of old boy where I'm like, oh. You got me. You got me for life. Um, so it's like it, this movie just kind of did that for me again. It gave me that same sensation. So I do think know. I do think there is something to be enjoyed about the the meandering nature of it. Like you really get a sense that you because it's meandering, uh, and they're introducing characters like his cop partner and b- both times his cop partners, and it's like um, 
you get a sense that this is like a full life that you're you're yeah. witnessing a glimpse of, right? You're jumping and, in the middle of a story. Yeah. So even if like his uh the detective's wife isn't fully sketched out, which is a shame and tends to happen in a lot of these movies, but you also get a sense like, oh, like she has a life outside of this too. And even like the stuff that happens towards him at the end, like it's not entirely clear what is going on in their relationship, but the world is moving on. Like this is alive. This is a world that's alive yeah. in a way. Yeah. And I kind of respect that too. Yeah. Uh, also interesting saying, yeah. that in a movie that's ostensibly, you know, about a detective and a mystery and, and, and a case that the movie at the beginning is kind of throwing you into multiple cases that they're working mm-hmm. on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Not really delineating which yeah. scene is investigating which case and which piece of evidence applies to which case. And I thought that's really a bold interesting thing to do because that's kind of how cops operate they're not just you know working on yeah, the single it's not, one it's not case linear. it's not linear mm-hmm. yeah. Right? yeah yeah it's yeah. really fascinating and i've never really seen a movie do that where it's like well today we're trying to get that guy who did that <laughs> one thing well, yeah. i'm also working on this other case but that's just that's how detectives work they're not yeah. you're not just on the mm-hmm. the one case you're 24 7 you know you got multiple cases in your but yes. it, it also tells us like that is the mindset of this detective uh, by the way par- played by Park Ill, and I got a, I got a lot of like Vincent Hanna vibes, like from Heat, like a guy who is like he's in the job, you know, like he cannot he can barely exist. He doesn't want to sleep. He's an insomniac because like he only exists. He, he can only like live and breathe when he's doing this work. And you kind of see there's a really fun foot chase in this movie is just like I did not expect that guy to to be able to accomplish that and then like jump into a fist fight and be like just <laughs> ready to do it. And it's like this is how he lives and breathes. Um so that's why I'm also like, yeah, these characters make very dumb decisions, but damn, are they interesting? Like, what is up with this guy? If I met this guy at a bar and be like, dude, you are you're the most interesting man I've ever met uh, <laughs> because he's just he's kind of a cool uh, cucumber as a detective. But he's a bit foppish, too. Like he yeah. has to keep his his nails clean, his hands clean. Like he has his little you know idiosyncrasies. I just I like those things like that. That's what interests me, too. Like Tangwei's character. What? What? Man, she has had a rough life and seeing how she survives is kind of fascinating too. Like I don't think the movie victimizes her in a way um even like where things go. Like she is still like has her own sense of self and motivation that I really appreciate. Like these characters are so textured and multi-layered. I found them interesting even if they're not always likable, you know. I think it's always interesting watching a movie that's not set in America to see cops not having to worry about the bad guys having mm-hmm. a massive arsenal of mm-hmm. guns. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like he's having this, this whole... in Athena too. This dynamic was yeah. in Athena as well. You got a knife? Case. I'm ready for a knife. I got yeah, a knife glove. Chance. I got to pull yeah. out a knife. That's what he's going to pull out. That's yeah. what he can get. I he's got like, my knife okay, glove. I'm good. My, my silver Michael Jackson knife fighting glove. Yeah. So Incredible. rad. So Incredible. rad. Yeah. All right, folks. Well, why don't we get to spoilers for Decision to Leave starting right now. Now you're looking for the secret. Can I see this coming? No. But you won't find it because, of course... You're not going to see this coming. You're not really looking. I have been puzzling over how it works. You don't really want to work it out. Who's in the box? I have been dying to tell you. I want to tell you my secret now. You want to be fooled. By the way, uh, Park Chan-wook has denied that he was inspired by Alfred Hitchcock's Vertigo, FYI. So I mean, like, I, there, I see... I, I've I've looked up early articles around him, and literally his inspiration to become a director was after in college, like seeing Vertigo for the sure. first time. It was like I need to do this, so yeah. I, it's there. 
it's yeah, there somewhere. Sure, yeah. sure. I mean, he's just said about this movie, but you're probably right about him generally. Yeah, yeah buddy. Um, like, I, I can see. We can, we've all seen Vertigo. We <laughs> see the parallels I don't know. Here. Not inspired yeah. by it. Don't yeah. even remember that. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Who, who yeah. remembers it's that? About another guy obsessed with a woman, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, so any thoughts on the ending mm. of this movie? I mean, it's a pretty- It killed me. It it's, killed it's, me. It's a very beautiful yeah. ending. Um, yeah. There's some all-timer shots. In that ending, in my opinion, right? I mean, I talk about movies that crush your soul. This is a movie that was doing it actively. It was like, oh, I see what's going to happen here. And I know Mark, Park Chan-wook, and I know this is not going to be a happy ending. So, yeah, I was ready for that. Yeah. I mean, I guess, like, first of all, Jeff, as you were describing, you know, multiple cases, I'm spending the first half of the movie... I have to say, I was disoriented for a significant amount of the yep. movie because I'm like, what yep. is this movie going to be focused... Like, what is the main story? I didn't watch any trailers. And even yeah. if you did, you wouldn't tell you. Um but then you find out, yeah, it's about this woman who is uh, like responsible for her husband's death, and then she gets married again, and then he dies under mysterious circumstances as well. I have to say, I mean, Jeff, I know you weren't as big of a fan of the movie, but did you not get a rush when he discovers the phone mm. that has like the difference in like so elevation? Good. So good, you know, like, and he like uh. puts together like how she switched the phones, and you know, like. Yeah, that a yeah. Great no, moment there's in the movie? awesome stuff in it. There's yeah. awesome stuff. I just am like, this putz. <laughs> Come on, dude. Your wife is awesome. She's awesome. Is she? I think the, she is. The, she wants they to really. He only sees her on the weekend. I don't they know. really, they really gave the wife short shrift in this. Like they really they shivved did. the wife character metaphorically mm-hmm. in this movie. Like she, the only thing we know about her is that she's like a nerd, and it's like, guys, come on. This is a. I she I, works I, at a nuclear facility. Yeah, she works or at a, she's a genius who works at a nuclear facility. A, a friend is, named June. You, uh, know? you know, a lot of movies like this will go to great pains for to make that spouse unlikable. Yes, so that yes. you will feel okay when the husband steps out. And I it's thought it true. was actually bold to not to make her perfectly willing to like do the work in the marriage yeah. and yeah. be yeah. present and be and like she's too. She's all every interaction we have with her. She's great. Like she meets. You know, they have that awkward foursome thing and she's being awesome. She's not like accusing mm-hmm, anything, mm-hmm. anybody yeah. of anything. Anyway, <laughs> but the result is like, man, this guy's a, I, I, I just found him to be, I found him to be mm-hmm. such a, I, I don't know. He's I, married to the job. Like it, it is all, uh, when it comes to like visual storytelling like this, I'm like, okay, what, what is this telling you? Like, he's got a great wife. Clearly she's into him. She wants to have sex. Quite often she's she's saying like, Les, we need to keep doing this. Yeah. So be, that's what good married couples do. But his disaffection with it, because um, this movie has not that many sex scenes, but there is one with the two of them, which is just like very cold and very weird in a way where it's like she's just sitting there and he is like fully off on another planet. She's looking you know, at crime thinking, dramas. Looking at the crime yeah. dramas, thinking about his own cases. And we're yeah. like, you know, he... That's that's not his love, you know. Maybe his wife is super cool, but maybe they're just like he did not make the decision to leave. And a lot of people don't don't take that extra step to be like, hey, we're actually not that great for each other, or at least you could be happier with somebody else. I could be happier with somebody else. That I don't know. It felt kind of human yeah. in that in that way. Yeah, I, I think that's ultimately like the thing that resonates most with <laughs> this movie, uh, with me about this movie, is this idea that these two people love each other, aka the. Detective and Tong Wei's character. Yeah. They love each other, but they can only relate to each other through the co- context of this job that he has, mm-hmm. basically, right? Through the through the context the crimes. of crimes. 
right? <laughs> yeah. And I can only it, love you through crimes. Exactly. Exactly. And there's something yeah. like incredibly That's, intriguing about that, but also way, very sad, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is uh, Donald Trump Jr.'s birthday card from his dad. <laughs> wow. I only love you Just through like, crimes. L- the lowest hanging fruit. That Topical. fruit is like on the ground. Yeah. It's <laughs> in the ground. Um, but the interesting too is, <laughs> thing is that there, there is a love there. Like I loved, I, I was fully on board with them as like a pairing from that first like sushi, uh, th- that first like sushi dinner where they get the premium sushi, sushi package. Yeah. Yeah. In, in, the people behind the glass are like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, there's there's yeah. some awesome like random moments of humor like that throughout the movie it's that just, I really yeah. enjoy. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. But their whole like, it's a symphony, a synchronized symphony of like, okay, you put the thing here. I put the thing here. Let's clean up, wipe the table, yada, yada, yada. Bing, bang, yeah. boom, let's go. <laughs> perfect. They're a perfect. Like it is such like, it's a thing of like finding somebody where you, who you're just like totally simpatico with mm-hmm. and life makes that hard. You know, like it is, I, I don't know if you guys have ever experienced this and it's not even like a romantic thing, like a buddy, a friend or whoever, but like somebody who you just some like podcast co-hosts, let's say podcast yeah. co-hosts. Talk about, I don't know. Talk about movies. Yeah. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but it, it is kind of that feeling. And that is what I found endearing because yeah, these two probably could never really be together. Although he, it's it's one thing. It's like his honor to the job. Like he will dishonor his job enough to let a murderer go. But also he's like, well, seems like that guy had had it coming. And <laughs> I'm not doing anybody any favors by being like, okay, mm-hmm. well, you know, she she killed him. Just go. I'm gonna basically I'm gonna go here. Like it's, yeah. it's basically uh, only once. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. I'll dishonor my job, <laughs> yes. but not twice. No, no, not, not twice. twice. Not twice. <laughs> Not twice. But yeah. even even the second time, like, uh, do you guys believe her explanation for it? Because I found I found that whole thing, too. It's like, OK, well, maybe like, uh, yeah, clearly that husband's not that great either. I don't know. Uh, we don't have the full story there. But also her explanation for how she cleaned up the crime scene, like basically doing doing the thing like we nobody would do if they were actually guilty for something. But doing it because like I didn't want you to like come to a, you know, blood filled pool because I know you didn't like that. That is such a. I don't know how you like, clearly they would tie her to it, but she's also like, well, I'm thinking of you, buddy. Like, this is a little thing, yeah. it's a little, little gesture. I remember you like this. I remember you mentioned this, this thing you wanted at one point in my, in your life and yeah. happy birthday, a clean crime scene. It's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, that, that's the part of the movie that really does resonate with me. Mm-hmm. I mean, what, what what do you make of her decision to end her own life at the end of the film, Devendra? Like, what's yeah. what what is am, what is motive? Is, is the idea that. that she is she is like grief struck that she can't be with this guy? Is that kind is of like she, what you're? Is she would either have to go to jail or ruin his life. You know, like that's that's ultimately like there is so much on her tied to this, and he's too good of a detective to be like, well. I, I can't you're right in front of me this case is live we haven't like settled it with like other explanations like it would ruin his life like it'd either kill him to like go against his job and what he's what he really believes in um i don't know i i'm still i'm i'm soul crushed like just the the concept of what she does is another one of those park chumbook endings where i'm like man i'm just gonna sit with this for a while it's like the ending of old boy too it's like sort of a happy ending but it's really messed up i don't know what did you guys think? I, I don't think it's sort of a happy ending at all. I mean... Some people are like, well, it is the happiest ending that 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 movie could have. I don't know. <laughs> it is a very haunting ending. You know, this it's idea haunting. of him, yeah. him like searching amongst the wave for something that he's probably never going to find mm-hmm. is like... 
all-timer great final shots in my opinion you know just very 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 compelling but jeff any thoughts on the ending how do you even do that <laughs> yeah it's a, i mean yeah I, I dig a hole and i sit in the hole and the water high comes tide, in high tide comes in you just don't you get just, up yeah, okay uh, and yeah. maybe the, the sand yeah. kind of buries you too you know it, it is again i am struck and amazed by the imagery of this film the imagery is unparalleled. It is, it is really, really something. I didn't, I, I mean, I, at that point, I was just like, man, just get away from this chick, dude. I, it, it's like, <laughs> you know, like. She's so bad for you. Don't man. even She's go so there. Bad. Don't She's drive so to the beach. Don't, don't, don't. I, I don't know. I, I, I feel bad because I just wasn't emotionally mm-hmm, connected mm-hmm. to these people and mm-hmm. so i i wasn't in that ending i just think i think it's a haunting beautiful notion but the movie worked the moose movie worked on an intellectual level for me it did not work mm-hmm. on an emotional level mm-hmm. at any point yeah fair enough fair enough all right well uh any other moments from the movie you want to bring up or anything else about the movie every every moment of this movie like i okay it, i would love to do like a live commentary of this movie at some point just like talking about every little bit because i am fully enamored with it um but yeah i'm glad i'm glad we got to talk about it as a main review you know it's a great it's a great movie yeah. it's worth checking out worth I checking mean, out i mean there are so many incredible shots you know yeah. the the one with the rear view mirror where it comes down mm-hmm, and it, mm-hmm. it's like that's amazing there's, well, there's, tons, the, there's tons of like subtle you know as i was pointing out subtle things like it, all the shots in the interrogation room were like all digitally altered wow Mm. The camera is in an impossible location. Like you see the reflection of them, right? The cameras, you don't see the camera. So the camera's in an impossible location. Um, yeah. so there's like a lot of like subtle things like that that are yeah. uh, just for checking out. Yeah. That that time when they go to the crime scene and all of the red and blue lights are flashing everywhere and it's illuminated. He's like, turn these lights off. And I'm like, it's the most gorgeous thing I've ever seen in my life. He's like, yeah. hey, turn this crap off. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's, yeah. I mean, the movie yeah. is visually just unbelievable. Well, at the end of the day, it is really, really impressive that Park Chan-wook made a movie. And that's going to bring us into this week's episode of The Filmcast. You can find more episodes of this podcast at thefilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. Our theme song comes courtesy of Tim McEwen from The Midnight. Check out his band, Varsity Blue. Our spoiler bumper comes from filmmaker and YouTuber Kyle Corwith. Our weekly plugs music comes from Noah Ross. This episode was edited by me, David Chen. Support this podcast at patreon.com slash film podcast for ad-free episodes and exclusive after darks. Next week on the podcast, the plan is to cover the Banshees of Inna Sharon. If everything goes according to plan, we will we make that see. happen. So uh, I am hoping that I will not need to say those words ever again on this podcast. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, we can finally review Martin McDonough's new movie as we intended to last time. Okay. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you later.